name is Martha. And this is Colby on Martha and Colby Grow Up. A podcast where we talk about the things that made us who we are and where we're going in the future. Because every week we're finding a new way that we're growing up. Hi, I'm Martha. And this is Colby on Martha and Colby Grow Up. A podcast where 20-somethings navigate life apart together. Welcome back this month. Uh, we are talking about something new, but last month we talked about Iceland. and Also, before we started recording, we were talking about Iceland. <laughs> I think we just love, we are pro-Iceland <laughs> on this podcast. This is a pro-Iceland podcast. As always, we will start with a question of the week, of the month, and this week's question is are you superstitious or do you have any superstitions? Colby, what do you got? This came because the morning that we're recording this is the first morning of Saturday Power 5 college football. And I put on Twitter, uh, should I test out a new shirt or should I wear like an old reliable shirt? Um, And I asked Martha and she was like, what does it look like? And I was like, it doesn't matter what the, what the shirt looks like. It, it doesn't matter. It's whether or not it's lucky. Um, I'm not too superstitious in sports. It's just when it comes to like certain things, I do every time. What? You would you you made a Twitter poll to figure out your superstition. So I would say you are superstitious. But I'm not one of those, like, I have to sit in the same seat and this person has to be here and this person has to be here. Like, there are okay. those people. I am not that person. I would say, I think I used to be more than I am now. And it was also sports related. So when I was on the swim team in high school or when I was on the speech team, I would always listen to the same songs before a race or, like, going up and presenting a speech. and. Like, they were my hype songs. Like, I would listen to Lil Wayne because that's what Michael Phelps did, and I wanted to swim fast or whatever. So I think in that sense, I was superstitious. But now, I mean, what is there to be superstitious about, I guess? Like, I was trying to think of an example, and I mean, no. So I would say no, Um, but short answer, sometimes. So... That was us. Uh, <laughs> and you can find... And that's the podcast. You can find <laughs> us next week. <laughs> oh, man. We're bad at this. All right. So you can find me on Twitter well, this time at Marth underscore Vader. And you can find me on Twitter at Writing by Colby. And this week, we are talking about gender in media. But before we get that to that, uh, we have a special guest. And our special guest is Lauren. And Lauren... What are your superstitions or are you superstitious at all? Um, I have to say I align very much with what Colby was saying as also a sports fan. As soon as you asked that question, I also immediately thought about football and all of the things that I was doing today because my team is also playing <laughs> this afternoon. Um, and I also have a very shirt related routine. Um, and I will change my shirt halfway through the game if the team is if not doing not well. Yeah, if you it's not working. It up. <laughs> yeah. So that feels like a very superstitious thing to do. Um, 
But I, but I hear what Colby is saying of like, I don't consider it superstitious. Like I don't have the full routine. I don't have the seed. I don't have all of that, but I definitely got the shirts. I have the shirt for sure. So maybe it's more like a routine instead of superstition. But I'm convinced if I'm wearing the wrong shirt, we're going to lose. Well, and in my head, it's like, I know, I know it doesn't have an impact, but also it makes me feel better. Um, like at least I'm doing something because you don't want to be the one that causes the loss. Mm-hmm. If we're doing poorly, then I need to do something to make it <laughs> better. So, you know, change it up. That makes sense. I mean, I think that's reasonable. I feel like people have superstitions for a reason, and I don't know. It may, I mean, it makes sense to me. I think we all have our little quirks, like, okay, we need to do it this way this time. Or otherwise it's not going to work because like one time it did work. Um, I get that. I don't think it's weird. I think it's pretty normal. I don't, I wouldn't say I don't, I like, I don't really watch sports. I don't have the shirt, but I I get it. I get it. I have the songs, so. (laughs) And you can answer this question of the week on Twitter at Martha and Colby and probably on my Instagram too at Real Martha Riley. So you heard our guest. Uh, our guest name is Lauren. And Lauren, would you like to introduce yourself and what we will be talking about today? Yeah, I'm Lauren Brentnell. I usually go by Lauren Bree. Uh, I'm an instructor at the University of Northern Colorado, and I teach in the Department of English. So you all invited me here to talk a little bit about media and gender representations. And so, yeah, I'm excited to get into that. We're excited, too. And I think I just want to talk a little bit about, like, why this was the topic we landed on for this month. Um, And I feel like a lot of it stems from some, I guess, like, at least for me and Colby, maybe you can talk about why you're interested in this. But I've been doing some, I guess, like, internal work and, like, how are the things that I am consuming – you know, like, are they diversified enough? Or am I just, you know, watching movies made by white men or like books written by white people? Um, And after I like looked at it a little bit, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, there's maybe some work that I can do. Um, So I want to say this summer, I've been a lot better at it. But I know that there's a long way um, that I have to go, really. So Colby, do you want to sort of share why this is important to you? Yeah, uh, meaningful representation is important. It's important for people to see experiences outside of their own. Um, And I think that media is where, I mean, we all look at screens now in in these in-between times. You look at screens all the time. (laughs) And I, I think it's important for people to step outside of themselves for a while and all aspects most aspects not everyone needs to have their opinions and representation out there um but i do think it's important for those in marginalized communities to see themselves and for other people to see them awesome so lauren you did you've done a lot of writing and thinking about this right yeah definitely more thinking i think than writing (laughs) as always um but i i definitely thought a lot about this i think particularly when it comes to representations of queer folks. Um, 
gender in general, for sure. But a lot of the courses that I've taken and courses that I've taught as well tend to focus on queer representation um, and sort of aspects around that if we're talking like gender and sexuality around that too. So that tends to be my area of expertise if we're talking like media and gender. If you don't mind me asking, what drew you to that? Um, Well, that's my personal identity. Um, I'm a queer person. I identify as non-binary as well. So I I think I hear a lot of what you're saying, uh, what you were saying earlier of a desire to find myself in media. And so I was trying to seek those things out. And so I started taking courses on it, trying to find those things, um, trying to understand good and bad representations of those, like where they came about. Um, And so that's what drew me to that is just like trying to find more of me out there. And for those of uh, our listeners that don't know, could you explain what non-binary means? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think this is getting a lot into like sex, gender differences as well, things like that. So we tend to talk about like gender in terms of like male and female. And that creates like what we call a binary, right? There are two things that exist on there. Um, And if we think of those things on a spectrum or a line, people who identify as non-binary might see themselves as outside of that, as neither male or female or somewhere um, along that line, but not necessarily male or female, like somewhere between that line. There's other terms that can be used as well, things like gender queer, um, gender non-normative, things like that. Like those terms also come up and have sometimes slightly different meanings than non-binary as well. Um, gender queer sometimes involves a little bit more like political alignments than non-binary does and might also play outside of like if we think of male and female as a spectrum or that line, sometimes gender queer might involve a little bit more fluidity or staying outside of like gender norms at all. Um, Non-binary might still play with ideas of like male and female in a different way, but that's sort of what it means is that it's not playing with like what male and female and traditional roles that are involved with that are. Gotcha. So you mentioned earlier there is good representation, there is bad representation. Um, To you, what makes good representation? Mm. I think there's a couple different aspects to it. Um, you all were talking earlier, first of all, about thinking about not just what the representation looks like on a screen or in writing or whatever, but who's creating it. I think that's the first aspect of it is thinking about that representation as like created by a person who identifies in that position. That's not to say that it necessarily always needs to be created by someone who identifies with that way. But if you don't identify with that way, you got to do a lot of consulting work and like making sure that you're doing the work, the research work on that end and probably like bringing those people in to know that you're representing it well. Um, So I tend to recommend like either identifying with it or making sure you're putting in that work in the first place. Um, Like don't get it wrong, you know. Um, So looking at the creators, first of all. Um, The second part is that making sure that you're representing people at all. Like bad representation is, you know, no representation, which we often see a lot when we talk about things like media and gender. One of the biggest problems that we have is disparities, that there are a lot more like men than women. 
there are a lot more men and women than non-binary people. This also translates to things like race, where there are a lot more white people than there are people of color that are represented. And it can go down in any sort of way if we look at like power disparities, right? There are always like more representation of the people or, or positions of power than there are people who aren't, right? So get people represented, get people the creator should be from those positions as well. As far as like what those good representations look like, I think those come about when you have the people who are identifying that way um, because they can create people who look like them. Um, they know what that looks like. A lot of bad representations that we see, and we see this consistently coming up, I think in conversations over and over now, is that bad representations tend to look like villains over and over. They tend to look like people who are consistently like in pain and traumatized over and over. And again, I want to say like that doesn't necessarily mean you can never have like a person who is a villain, you know, represented in that identity or a person who's like going through pain or traumatized identifying in that particular way. But if that's the only representation that you ever have, that's sort of a bummer. Like also have happy, good representations of people in like non-privileged positions that's a good thing to have too, like show happiness and joy. Um, so those are good representations to have. So again, like think of spectrums of emotions and and things that we go through too. So I, I hear your point about people who want to represent these kind, like these people should come from the area that the person is. I, you worded it much more gracefully than I just did. But do you think sometimes authors or maybe like filmmakers or, you know, producers of TV shows, do they mean well to include these types of people, even though they aren't maybe non-binary themselves? Or should we just totally stay away from that? I think this is a really hard question in any sort of representation, because on one hand, again, this goes back to like no representation is a bad thing, but to represent something really poorly is also like a terrible thing. I know before this podcast, we just mentioned Lovecraft Country <laughs> and and like that. We can get into that. Let's do it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess spoilers going into one of the most recent episodes of Lovecraft Country. But there was... Episode four, I believe. Episode four, yeah. Um, there was a character that was represented who identified in the episode as Two-Spirit. And uh, it wasn't done particularly well at all. So Colby, I don't know if you want to describe it. I have only read descriptions of the scenes and some write-ups and things like that. You've seen the episode, haven't you? Or Yes, I have. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about what happens with the character or... Yeah, it's a... Um... Again, I've only seen through episode four, so I know, I'm not sure of like the future um, implications of this character. Um, but they are, they say that they are two-spirit. They um, visually have breasts. You see like a full frontal view of them. They have breasts and a penis. The character does not speak English. Um, they only speak their their native tongue. And I don't know, I'm trying to like, let's see, they're almost fully naked the entire time they're on screen except for towards the very end of the episode. Um, 
I think that's the the gist of the character without getting like too too deep into spoilers. Um, well, yeah. and I know my understanding too, at least from critiques that I've seen, is a lot of the representation of the character is through questions that a lot of um, like these types of characters get, which is this like, what are you? What is your gender? Kinds of questions, yeah. which is also a problem, um, and that the character is then shown in pain and traumatized and tortured. And so it's like this, okay, great. We're going to have this character. Their gender identity is immediately questioned. And then they are tortured. Or have been tortured for X amount of years. Yeah. That's an interesting point because I just read a book recently about a trans superhero and it was cool and i really enjoyed the book it was called dreadnought and then there's a sequel that i forgot the name of but it was i i see your point about including trauma with these gender gender identities because their whole thing was like their parents you know abused them and well not like phys well sometimes physically i think but more emotionally and they were not supportive and i see that and i could see that that would be problematic in the sense that, okay, maybe viewing all trans people, they had, you know, the story. So like very generalized. Um, so I think it is important to include a variety of experiences, but some, I mean, I, I don't think this is the case and I'm going to try to word this well, but I do think sometimes there is some trauma with gender and gender identity. So what's a good way to maybe frame that instead of like like on screen in a tv show like i guess what's the most accurate way to tell the, the people's stories is what i'm struggling with um i think this goes back to what i was saying earlier of like it's not that you should never tell sure. trauma stories i i study trauma i mean i mentioned earlier of like oh i'm in english and this and that my area of focus is in trauma i'm certainly interested in trauma <laughs> stories that's what i do please don't take those away from me <laughs> like sure and and actually you know i find those very important because to process trauma one of the things that we have to do is tell stories so i'm all for telling trauma stories they're extremely important for a lot of things um my argument is more like those shouldn't be the only stories that we see. And I think in a lot of cases, those are the only stories that we see. Or the the stories that we get, a lot of the non-binary representations that we get in media, the vast majority that I can think about are fantasy or sci-fi. And so the representations that we get then are this idea that non-binary people are fantastical, they're futuristic, they're mysterious. They're not just average people, right? And that's the problem is, okay, when do we just get to be a person and not like a genderless species alien trope? Sure. And that's sort of my issue is it's like, I'm all for the genderless species alien, non-binary alien. That's cool. <laughs> but I also just want to be like a human. Yeah. I want that too. <laughs> is wild how the... Hegemony? Hegemony? How do you say that word? Doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying. Uh, like, talks about anything other than what is the majority. Like, there's there's the magical Negro. There is the person on the spectrum that has magical powers. Like, 
it's so hard. I feel like, is it difficult for you to imagine these people as just people yeah. <laughs> and not as... <laughs> so Right, because I guess, like, in reality, you wouldn't necessarily know if a person is non-binary or trans. I mean, they're literally people, too. Um, I watched that documentary on Netflix a while ago. It was probably, like, a month ago. Um, I am blanking on the name. I should look up the name. Well, while you're looking up the name... Um, Lauren, you are a, um, you're, you're a cartoon person. You, you like the, you like the moving pictures that aren't real people. Oh, I thought she, you were telling her she is a cartoon. <laughs> I was like, this is going weird. I do like your pictures. Yeah. A lot of the times are aimed at children. Mm-hmm. What have you seen, um, maybe recently or like throughout time with, um, queer representation, gender representation, non-binary representation in traditionally children's media? I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is Steven Universe. Um, But again, though, that goes kind of back to what I was saying before about the uh, genderless species, because in that it's the gems that is a species that are supposed to be genderless. And they are sort of still coded in feminine ways but they're meant to be genderless. And so that's one aspect of it. Another one, this one's not necessarily children's media, but it is animation, uh, which is in Full Metal Alchemist, is the character of Envy, who is, you know, one of the seven deadly sins, basically, and a villain and terrible and a homunculus, again, not human. So, you know, like a lot of the ones that I can think of are... Oh, and I think that's true of a lot of cartoons that I can think of are many of them are still there's this like fantastical or sci-fi element to them. And to be fair, I think that's kind of children's media in general is there's still sort of a magical, fun, fantastical aspect to children's media. So that's not necessarily, you know, that's just sort of a thing around like children's cartoons. But I think that that does. I think that we do get more representation of non-binary people in both cartoons and anime, but in fantasy in general. But yeah, I think you're, I know you just mentioned Disney villains and those are certainly almost always queer coded in some way, if not non-binary, but very queer coded, um, often linked to being people of color. They're usually darker than the heroes in some way. So always, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier of, you know, there's this like, the heroes are coded in particular quote unquote norms or like they're the the regular people or how we want it, how society wants us to see as regular people. And so they're often male, often white, often straight, often middle-class, like often these sorts of values, right? And then in contrast, the supporting characters or the villains are not those things. Could you, and not to keep at, like sounding like a broken record, but could you explain what queer coding is? Because I actually don't know if I know, so maybe this is a learning lesson for me as well. Yeah, so queer coding is when a character isn't explicitly stated as queer, but is given traits that are associated with queerness. Um, Ursula in The Little Mermaid is a great example of this. She's literally 
modeled af- after a drag queen, um, divine. And so there's lots and lots of like queer aspects to who Ursula is and who she's modeled after. Um, but Ursula doesn't ever come out and say like, I'm a drag queen. But it happens all the time with Disney villains. Um, my home dude from Princess and the Frog, whose name is escaping me right now, even Scar, <laughs> Lion King, um, is queer coded. And also all their songs are bangers. Take what you will from that. <laughs> so between like the the big forms of media, movies, television, books, um, comic books, graphic novels, where do you see the best diversity and the best representation among those mediums? Media? Mediums. Whatever. <laughs> I I think a lot of the really good representation that I appreciate it tends to not be very popular media. Um I tend to see a lot of this in things like podcasts and like YouTube made videos and things like that. Like the further away you get from you know very popular TV shows and very popular movies, I think the better representation you get. I'm thinking of things like uh, like Carmilla has a pretty good one. And that's still fantasy, but you actually get the, the non-binary character in there is actually a human, even though it's in a fantasy world. <laughs> you know? So like, hey, there's a step in the right direction. You know, like stuff like that, I think are better. And I think you get more characters. So it's not just like a token character either, which is also sort of a problem of like, oh, we got one. Yay. <laughs> but you start getting more characters who identify in that way. Going back to, I think, what I was trying to say before I had to look up the title of the Netflix movie. Um, It's called Disclosure, by the way, but there was a pretty powerful scene where Candace Kane was on a TV show and they pitched her voice down. And so it really, like, made a caricature of her and her gender. And she said she was watching it with a bunch of friends and they all just looked at her like, did you know they were going to do that? And it sucks. Like that, that was pretty eye-opening to me that these characters should just be people. They are just people. But yet we continue to, I don't know, sort of make a fool of them and, and make them other and alienize them like we were talking about them earlier so i just thought that was really interesting that that continued to happen or continues to happen even now even though we're trying to become more woke i guess as as hollywood is trying to do so so podcasts youtube fan fiction these are all like these are made by the people they <laughs> I are. Say, like they like yeah. they, they aren't they aren't made by big companies um why do you think that these marginalized communities go to these mediums to find their stories or to tell those stories i mean i think it goes back to some of the stuff that was coming up in the very beginning of if there's a lack of it in other spaces where are you going to reclaim it? You're going to reclaim it in fanfics or you're going to reclaim it in podcasts that are responding to sort of other media or you're going to reclaim it in YouTube videos that are retellings of other stories. And so, which are often where these things are is that it's like, okay, I'm going to take a famous story and retell it in this way and then add the things that weren't in the original stories. And so they are sort of really powerful retellings 
adding in the things that weren't already there. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to say there. (laughs) No, that's good. No, that was great. So we kind of already got into this with children's media, but is there any, you know, mainstream TV or movies that you think do a good job? Um, And then I guess a bonus question, how would you design a show or like, and maybe we can all talk about this too. We'll make it a round table, but what would really good representation look like? And we can maybe like build a cast or something. I think that'd be fun. Let's do that. (laughs) I, I had to start looking some stuff up because I honestly couldn't think of things off the top of my head. I, this isn't a TV show or a movie. It's a book, but I will say Rick Riordan has some good representations Uncle Rick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we it, love Uncle Rick. <laughs> it does go back to the fantasy thing. I do. I love fantasy. So I will. There There can be, good, again, there can be good representations, even when recognizing that sometimes it still plays within those common things that we see. Like, it's often comes up in fantasy and sci-fi, but that doesn't mean it can't be done well in those genres. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think I appreciate a lot of those things that come up there. Um, I think partly the reason that I appreciate those is that those characters are more developed. They're not just like, oh, here's an entire species, but like you get romances, you get personalities, you get like full characterizations from those, you know. Is Rick Riordan the Percy Jackson guy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Friend of the pod, Uncle Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, and maybe that's unfair to just ask you what you think good representation is. So, let me think if I know of anything that stands out. I feel like, no. <laughs> I, I think there are some books that I read that were pretty good um, with trans characters, but not, oh, okay. There was a book that I just read. It was called Felix Ever After. And there was, it was about a trans high school character who falls in love with his best friend and I thought it was really cute and I think well done however I don't have experience with that so I hesitate to call like an amazing representation because I don't know if it is but it felt on the good side to me so I will say that's something I read recently Um, in terms of tv shows or movies not really anything's coming to mind um I mean the the plot line with Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black was, I think, maybe good at parts, but again, maybe a little bit trauma heavy. Good at parts is the just the log line for Orange is the New Black. <laughs> yeah, I never, you know what? I never even finished that show. I, I got, I didn't either. After I, I think really I quit at the point where most people quit. Yeah, after the uh, big character death. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where I quit. Um. But yeah, Colby, is there anything off the top of your head that you can think of? Again, it's like good representation. Eh. Like, or like I, some representation. I mean, right. some representation. There's, um, ooh, like just with that the representation of characters that aren't cis, there is, oh, why can I never remember their name in She-Ra? The one that um, like changes their identity to like match people. Is her, their name is like 
copycat or something like that but that's not their name but something doppelganger maybe something like that um but again they're like a villain for most of the show i think it's double trouble <laughs> double trouble there we go that's a cool name yeah double trouble is like a anti not really an anti-hero they're chaotic neutral <laughs> um there's um wow i can it's just because i haven't watched these shows in so long supergirl there is there is a trans act and I don't remember their name, but I also they're the first character I can think of. Is like okay, their character doesn't revolve around their genitalia, um, but also it's another thing. It's like it's a superhero show. She has powers, but that's also I don't watch shows that don't involve portals, so it's going to be difficult for me to <laughs> to find a show that has just like a a regular person that is not cis. I think an interesting point that we just all brought up was a lot of these characters are uh, fantasy. And I think, Lauren, you already mentioned this, but I'll just mention it again. Maybe it's easier to paint these characters as more different than they already are. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I think that's interesting that we can't think of any, like, everyday life, you know, representation. Or at least that I haven't seen. And I feel like I watch a lot of TV and I think we all watch a good amount of TV and movies and read books. So I mean, I feel like at least this is what I feel like the, these writers are thinking is like, well, we have, I mean, they can fly and they they can do all these other things. Them not being um, part of the gender binary. Isn't that weird? Which is Mm -hmm. disappointing way to think about um non-binary characters but so if we were to build a tv show or a movie with our dream representation what would that look like what would the plot be about it's just an ezra miller one person show (laughs) 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 and and i will watch every it can run for a hundred episodes watch (laughs) uh yeah okay that's good uh done with the question no (laughs) No, that's really good. And man, even as I ask that, I feel like I'm having trouble coming up with actors that are n- like non-binary because I can think of trans actors, but I can't think of many non-binary ones. I, I will give a shout out. There's an entire non-binary wiki mm. that has a list of all of this, like any celebrities that have come out. It's very detailed with like lots of umbrella terms around like non-binary um different non-binary terms so not just like queer terms but specific terms around like the non-binary community um and like different celebrities that have like come out under those different terms so it's very helpful if you're ever um interested in because there's lots of terminology in queerness in general but non-binary specifically can be uh as soon as you get into like a lot of genderqueer and non-binary terms there's a lot thrown at you immediately so it's a really helpful resource no and even recently i was having trouble i had to like look some things up because it was i was confusing it in my head but i just remembered that uh sarah ramirez from Grey's anatomy um recently came out as non-binary so i'd probably cast them because i feel like well now i'm just casting like a non-binary Grey's anatomy in my head which (laughs) Wait. I mean, if that's your uh, personal project. What if it was they all worked 
at like a clinic. Well, then you're just describing Grey's Anatomy. Okay. <laughs> you're no, like, no, 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 but, wait, but, but, no, let's not do Grey's Anatomy. What about if it was at a doctor's office? <laughs> well, I was going to say, what if all these actors worked at like a gender clinic? But then I feel like maybe that's a little too on the nose and like overrepresented, but maybe not. Um, speaking of Ezra Miller, um, Credence and Fantastic Beasts, queer coded, also villain question mark, also J.K. Rowling. That's all we have to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess! Very, very messy. Which now I see that character a whole lot differently than I did, um, two years ago. <sighs> I have lots of things to say on J.K. Rowling, and I don't know if this is the podcast place to do it. So. No, let's keep talking about happy shows. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, okay. So mine was not very successful. So I'm going to let you guys uh, continue. I'll, let me look up this wiki and maybe we can get a better, I, I can get a better idea. I would love to have the music done by Gerard Way, mm. who I love. I did not know. He's from My Chemical Romance, also wrote Umbrella Academy. Cool. Uh, so, and is non-binary, goes he, they pronouns. So I would be very down to get some, some stuff from them. I did not know Cara Delevingne considered herself gender fluid. I don't think I knew that. Um, so maybe throw her in. We'll just like put a mixing pot. I know Miley Cyrus does, but I don't know if I want her involved if we're, uh... Yeah, that feels... What's wrong with Miley Cyrus? Do I, is something wrong with Miley Cyrus? Is there no. something I need to know? <laughs> I mean, no. I, I think uh, she was very young when she married Liam. And I feel like they've both been through the ringer. So I respect their lives. And But I just like, I feel like maybe a lot of pain could have been avoided if they made me made some mature decisions. Yeah, but she can make a happy re-, re. Let's get more Hannah Montana. There we go. Hannah Montana is now. <laughs> Hannah Montana is now non-binary. Uh, well, I I guess you could. Would that? I guess I'm confused on what two spirit mean. Would that was is that two spirit like Hannah Montana? No, no, two spirit is specifically an indigenous term. Got it. Yes. So that would and not it's be not it. even it's not used in every tribe. It's only used in some tribes, but it would oh. only be used for those specific tribes. It would not be applied outside of that. So it's extra bad that Lovecraft County kind of did that. They did connect it to well, yeah, kind of because they connected it to an indigenous person, but. I I did read something. I'd have to double check some of this. I believe I saw somebody say that the tribe that the character identified with, I don't know that they actually use the term two-spirit or that it came out. So there's, I'm not positive on that. I'm not indigenous. So I would definitely have to fact check that through other sources to be positive. Um, so it is possible. Um, but the character was identified with a particular tribe. So it is possible they could be two-spirit. Um, but yeah, no, that's, it's not equivalent to like trans or gender queer. It's a separate, um, term. Well, thank you for that explanation. I think that is interesting and something I didn't know a lot about. So I will be interested to maybe check that out one day. You know, I actually like your question that you were sort of ending with about what are some good representations, because I think it is 
I know I often get caught up in immediately critiquing, um, which is part of my job and that's what I do. And it's easy <laughs> to do. And to be on the other end, to be fair, there's a lot of bad representations out there. So, um, and we should be aware of those and, and critiquing those. But I think also finding those spaces where we say like, oh, this is really good. Let's build on that can be very useful. Um, and so I would love to see more of that, of like going in and saying, this was a thing, let's promote this. Um, I would love to see more of those things. Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Um, where do you want to be found? Do you want the people to find you? If so, where can they do that? Um, you can find me on Twitter at rhetoric in the letter in spice. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the same place, rhetoric in spice. Well, again, thank you very much. This was a very enlightening discussion and I definitely learned a lot. We will see the listeners back next month with another topic. And that's the end of the podcast. Find us online at www.MarthaAndColby or on Twitter and Instagram at MarthaAndColby. Thanks to Stephen Boyd and DJ Empirical for all things sound. Thanks to Jordan from Dreamful Podcast for the artwork. Shout out to Irene, even though you don't listen to this podcast. Don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and we'll talk soon. Or like, what TV shows or movies do you think is doing? Oh, Colby just. Oh no. Where did he go? Um. We'll pause. <laughs>